Hey, this is Brian. Before we start the show this week, I want to thank everyone out there who participated in our Pathfinder Beginner Box giveaway. We appreciate everyone who followed us on Twitter at RPGLLPodcast. And as promised, we are announcing the winner of said Pathfinder Beginner's Box right now. Congratulations to JVD Luca at Cybertron73 on Twitter. Thank you so much for participating. And that Pathfinder Beginner Box will be on the way soon. Now let's start the show. RPG Lessons Learned. When the game is over, when your players are gone, that's when lessons are learned. We're at RPG LL Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. RPGLLPodcast at gmail.com. And check us out online at RPGLessonsLearned.com. Hello, Brian. Hey, Dusty. How's it going? I can't complain, Mike. Hey, Dusty. Feeling good here. So uh, let's talk about gaming with kids. So I uh, just literally last night played a, an awesome game um, w- of World of Dungeons with my five-year-old daughter. What's World of Dungeons, first and foremost? So uh, if you're familiar with Dungeon World, and I know you're not because we haven't played it yet. I am not. You know no. what it is, but um, it's kind of a, a extra Dungeon World thing where it's available on their website to download. And it's kind of a microsystem. The whole thing prints up on, on three sheets of paper. Um, the rules fit on one sheet front and back, and then the other sheet is, is the character sheet. So it, it's a very, very light rule set built on Dungeon World, which is in turn built on uh, the Apocalypse World engine. So super simple, you know, very small microsystem that she could wrap her head around. Is it a D20 system or? Oh, no, no. So dun- So Apocalypse World, Dungeon World. It's 2D6, okay. and it, it's degrees of success. It's one of those degrees of success systems. So you roll 2D6, and um, let me see. If you roll a 6 or less, what you tried failed. If you roll a 7 to a 9, you succeed, and if you roll a, a 10 plus, you uh, sorry, a 7 to 9, you succeed, but there's a complication. And then with a 10 plus, you succeed, and there's no complication. So real quick, let's set this up. Margot is what six, five and a half, almost. Well, yeah, she'll be six soonish. And this is not her first game. No, no, we've played a lot actually. Yeah, we've we, so yes, we've played several games. Uh, this is probably the one that had the most rules. Not Pulp Cthulhu. Not Pulp Cthulhu. No. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to hear about Margot's first role playing? Yeah, I would. Yes. Yeah, I think I know what it is. Okay, so let's go back and talk about that. So Margot's first role playing game. Um, okay, this is going to want to be in a bunch of advertisements for a bunch of, of stuff that we're not affiliated with. So please don't think that we're corporate shilling because we're totally not. Well, I totally am. <laughs> yeah. So Fidal Publishing does these My Busy Books and Fidal, P-H-I-D-A-L. These are the books that are like the little clamshell books with the toys in them? Yes. Yeah. And I've fallen in love with these things because what a great way for me to buy my daughter an entire set of something and not have to worry about chasing down individual toys. So there's like there's Disney Princess My Busy Books, there's tons of DC Universe My Busy Books. So it, like the Batman one comes and it's got 12 minute minifigs inside of it. Like Batman, Joker, Robin, Cat, Catwoman, Two-Face, I mean on and on and on. And every box that's kind of their gimmick has 12 toys. The Thomas the Train's got 12 trains in it. The Pac-Man, there's a Pac-Man one that I found recently. Oh, I haven't I haven't even seen Always that. Always has some on clearance or they did. Oh, cool. Yeah. So yeah, that's where I found the first the first ones I ever bought her were the My Little Pony ones because it was a great way to get 
the so-called main six. Get it, main? It was an easy way to get the so-called main six in one box without having to search those stupid blind bags. I am not a fan of blind bags. Yeah, no, that's basically gambling for little kids. Yeah. It actually, technically, it is gambling in some states. Really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. There are uh, rules around it, and uh, they have to, I think... They have to, like, print the odds on the bag or something? Uh, they're typically a code, not on Lego stuff, but on other toys, there's, like, a code that you can go and figure out what, what's yeah, in the we, bag. Yeah, I had read wow. that about some blind bag stuff, is that you could look for the certain code to get the certain many, and you could just look at the pack and figure out what you were buying. And the most recent Transformers ones, there's actually a, l- a little window in the bag. Uh, ah. Yeah. So, it doesn't matter. We don't do blind bags, just because I don't like them. And Margot doesn't know they exist, so she doesn't know the difference. <laughs> but uh, Margot, let's take a step back and talk about Justice League real quick. So, we're dealing with this generation of kids, Brian, that unlike us, right, we all grew up with Ninja Turtles. Yep. And He-Man and yep. G.I. Joe and Transformers. And these were the big things that were pushed on us by the channels that we watched. Yep. That was the entertainment that was available. And we all wanted the same toys because of commercials. Yep. Well, Margo doesn't have any of that. <laughs> the only TV Margo watches is Netflix with a very light smattering of Amazon Prime. So wow. it's a ton of Netflix. No commercials. No YouTube. Wow. Very, very, very little YouTube. Like she and I watch things together that I choose. Like we watch DM Scotty. There are a couple of woodworking things that I watch that she'll watch. There's a couple of painting things that I watch that she'll watch. But I don't let her go crazy on YouTube. My nephew Noah was recently telling me about how he watched Pennywise's Best Kills from the most recent It movie. Wow. Nice. Yeah. Wow. On YouTube. How old Noah? Six. Wow. Awesome. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. He's not my kid. So because we have this generation of kids that... that you know, can basically choose what they want to watch. They all watch different stuff. And watching Margot interact with her friends, there is no expectation amongst them that they've all seen the same thing. Yeah. Like, whereas I would be like, Brian, you watch Ninja Turtles, right? Yeah. This is the episode? Yeah. Where's your Ninja Turtle toy? Yeah. yeah. For, for Margot's generation. They're right there. <laughs> they really are. Yeah. So for Margot's generation, it's like, hey, I watch this show and here's what it's about. And the kid's basic assumption is that you haven't seen it. Wow. Because there's so much on Netflix to choose from. Wow. Well, not encouraged by me, one of the rabbit holes Margot went down on Netflix for a while, and, and she's she's long went off this, was Justice League. She went way down the Justice League and Justice League Unlimited rabbit hole. Loved it. And guess what? My Busy Books put out these books of like 12 Justice League toys, and they recently came out with, with a, a book that had a bunch of the, 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 the female superheroes. Um, so we got got her that one. So she's got like 24 Justice League Super Friends themed minis. And I came up, uh, I invented this little system to play with her when she was late four, early five. And the system, Mike, is, this is nothing to do with Dungeon World, folks. Forget that. We're talking about something b- before that. Dusty's homegrown? Or yeah, a- Dungeon World was last night. This I'm talking about now is like a year ago. Okay. So a year ago, we started rolling, we'd roll a d20. So she had her minis of usually the heroes, and I had my minis of the bad guys. And when it was her turn, she'd roll a d20. And our simple rule was, okay, if you get a two-digit number, you succeed. If you get a one-digit number, you fail. So you, you want to get a 10 or more. So, And the way I controlled difficulty was I just let her roll more for like attack. Yep. So you know, she, she'd be Superman. Okay, she want, Superman wants to punch Lex Luthor in the face. Great. Roll. Oh, she rolled a nine, and I'll narrate something like, you know, Lex ducks out of the way, and he was prepared, and Superman flies past, and then it'd be my turn, and even though we have equal odds, because we both have the same rule set, 
Lex on his turn, if I want to control difficulty, he wouldn't attack Superman. He might try to hide or run away on his turn. But then on her turn, she'd attack again. So that's how I control difficulty with yeah. that. But it was real simple, a real simple rule set. And we would just totally invent these stories using these minis. And that's been Margot's first role playing experience. And we have done that. I love that a lot. Like it's not been one time or two times. That is quite a few nights at the kitchen table or upstairs in her bedroom floor with minis all around her room, all around the kitchen table and us rolling D20s to narrate the action back and forth. That, that's that's very awesome. Well, Dungeon World is surprisingly the same thing. Dungeon World is all about who gets to decide what happens. So, so it's the same thing. You roll the dice, and instead of single digit or double digit, it's that whole degrees of success thing. It, is this a simplified game system for like kids, or is this meant for anybody? It is simplified, but I wouldn't say it's for kids. So there are systems for kids, right? There's Hero Kids, which I love. Hero Kids is a great system that that I've played quite a bit um, with Margo. And and once with my niece. So, yeah, there are systems for kids. Brian, this is not one. World of Dungeons is not really... Kids can play it, but it's not for kids. Hmm. Okay. But, so, the dice mechanic, Mike, it's 2d6. Like I said, 1 to 7... Or, sorry, 1 to 6, you fail. 7 to 9, you succeed with a complication. Hmm. Uh, 10 to 12, no, no complication, you, you just succeed. And we pretty much... We, we built a character sheet for her in World of Dungeons last night. And she basically ignored it, and we just used the the dice. Like like she had bonuses, she had a bunch of plus ones and stuff, and we just that was too much to wrap her mind around. So we just went right back to the way we used to game with the d twenty, and we were just using the two d six. And she, the complication thing was new though. Yeah, with d twenty, it's just okay. Who decides what happens? Actually, telling her you succeed with the complication and explaining that, and at first she's like. Oh, I, you know, I don't want to come. I hope I, I hope I succeed with no complication. Mm. And then I explained to her, no, 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 no. Complications aren't going to stop you from winning. You're going to win. But complications just make the story interesting. So what's an example of a complication that you threw in? Okay, so I've got to tell you what we played first then. So we started off. I'm going to brag on my daughter. She can totally play Streets of Rage. And Brian, I know you're a Final Fight guy. But, uh. Yeah, he's. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a Final Fight guy. Streets too. of Rage is a more complex, more fulfilling game. I, but, I, I grew up. But Final Rage. Fight has Mike Hagar, and he can do a jumping, spinning. And he, he's a he's a mayor wrestler. He's a mayor. <laughs> he wears Hagar slacks. So I was a Sega Genesis guy. So I, I'm a huge fan of Streets of Rage too, and I taught her how to play it. So she wanted to play Blaze. Mm-hmm. So we rolled her characters Blaze. Then when we were deciding what world to set the game in, she chose a world from another one of her Netflix. Actually, yeah, Netflix delves. Her most recent Netflix delve is this kind of Canadian slash German slash Italian show called Mia and Me about this girl at a boarding school who magically, you know, goes to this island of elves and unicorns and stuff. Well, I said, do you want to set the game in Syntopia? And instantly she was like, yes, and I want to change her name to Mia. (laughs) So (laughs) she was playing the main character from this game. So you asked what kind of complications? Yeah. The whole premise of that show is like rescuing unicorns from these evil homunculus bad guys who want to kill the unicorns and use their horns to stay young, whatever. So we built this game where she's trying to free, free unicorns. And I, to free to free her friends and the unicorn, I had them stuck in a giant spider web. So when she would succeed with, or when she would have success with complications, okay, you succeed in freeing your friends, but you've attracted the attention of the spider. And that's the complication. If she attacked the spider and she succeeded, 
okay, you dealt damage on the spider, but the complication is he hits you too. Mm. Because the other thing about Dungeon World is the GM rarely touches the dice. And the GM doesn't touch the dice to tell what happens next. The GM just rolls damage, and sometimes World of Dungeons calls for a, a consequences roll or a, oh, the die of fate, the die of fate. But I only get to, to damage her with my monsters uh, or the players with the monsters when the players incur a complication. So hmm. not even a failure? Yes, a failure. So a failure so, or, or success with complication? Yes. Okay. That's, that's when I get to deal damage. Interesting. Wow. So two-thirds of the time. Well, depending on the way you do the math. So if you, you just like in, so in World of Dungeons, just like D&D, you have your strength, your charisma, your dexterity, mm -hmm. and you roll 2d6, and the same... Oh, with a modifier. And, and yeah. that determines your modifier. So yeah. so um, if you were rolling your strength, you'd roll 2d6, and you'd add your strength mod. Strength mod can range from 0 to 3. So as you get modifiers, it becomes less and less likely that you fail. But yeah, so there are two cases out of three where, yeah, the, the GM can choose to deal yeah. damage or... or do some other consequence. It's a very story-driven game, not map-driven, not not tactics-driven. What kind of um, what kind of fandom is there around this game? Do people is this a very popular system? I haven't really engaged with the fan. So yes, it's popular. Like I read the RPG subreddit quite a bit, and I see Dungeon World hailed, and I see it maligned. I see it hailed for a completely different kind of game that that people claim does D and D better than D and D. Because it has the roles, it has the classes, it's got clerics and fighters and wizards, and they can all do cleric, fighter, wizard stuff, and you can come up with stories. And, and really what makes it so different from D&D, Brian, is that the, the premise of Apocalypse World, therefore Dungeon World, therefore World of Dungeons, is that you play to see what happens. The GM should not come up with the plot on its own. Everyone kind of comes up with it around the table, and the GM helps direct it. Wow, so it really is more like a, a off-the-cuff collaborative story. Yeah, off the cuff may not be the right term because the GM should certainly prepare monsters and, and know the rules and all that. Yeah. But you're not meant to be pigeonholed into a certain, you know, set of, 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 of options. You're really meant to be able to use your moves because the game is built on moves. All your actions are moves in any way you want that, that works with the story. So not to put you too much on the spot, but if you had run that Avengers game in this, would do you think the game might have been uh, run more smoothly, or you know, that's a great question, man. So here's where Dungeon World is. Is, is so I, I said how it was hailed. Here's how it's how it's run into the ground. It's run into the ground for a lack of balance between the classes. So I saw a thread recently talking about how there's just no balance, and and you know paladins are better at fighting than fighters, and and all this kind of stuff. So there's there's not a whole lot of balance as far as mechanical effectiveness. So around a table, Brian, at con, running a story game like this, I could see it being amazing with the right players, but without the balance, I could also see players being pretty frustrated by it. And also, man, so Mace has right there in the rules that you no rolling characters at the table. I think it's even in all caps. No rolling yeah. characters at the table. A huge premise of Dungeon World is that you roll your character. Each and every uh, time? Well, well... Not each and every session, no. But each and every time you generate a character, yeah, you, there's no pre-gens. You, you roll a character. Okay. The playbooks are pretty mm, simple, uh, but there are a lot of options in that simplicity. There's a lot of options to choose from. So handing out pre-generated Dungeon World characters and running that at con, I could see it working great with the right players. I think I'd be challenged, and, and that 
that whole Avengers game would have been totally different. Do you think somebody would be biased, say somebody was deep into Pathfinder or 5e or AD&D or something like that? Do you think they would have difficulty transitioning? It sounds to me like it would be easier for somebody who's never played a a game before. Yeah, I think it would be easier for someone who's never played. Um, It depends. If the Pathfinder person came with the complete expectation that this is a totally different type of game, where you're, you're really pushing the story and not the tactics, then that player would have mm. a great time. But if the Pathfinder player showed up expecting a game of Pathfinder with a slightly different rule set, they'd be disappointed. It's just a, it's a different mindset. I'm really enjoying it. I want to run it. So the, the Dungeon World was one of the three options I threw at you guys when uh, we were choosing our next campaign. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we went with, uh, of course, Savage Worlds. Yes, yeah. we did. Oh, which, which, hey, is great. I, yeah. was, I was good with all three options. And we'll be talking about that next episode. Yep. Yeah. We will be. Hey, um, so you, you gave us the setup for the game that Margot was wanting to play, but where did it go? Man, it went all over the place. Um, so I kept trying to come up with more and more complications. Um, pretty much, I'd have to I'd have to go really deep into the plot of of Mia and me, and I don't really want to do that. Um, it started off with a very simple, "Hey, your friends are trapped by a spider," and that was really all I'd come up with. And it eventually got to a unicorn giving birth to another baby unicorn. <laughs> In a unicorn, in a water unicorn grotto that was a far ways away where she had to do a lot of sneaking past things and, and <laughs> defeating things in combat. Like it went all wow. over the place. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, you know what's really cool is she illustrated a lot of the main plot points. We should put that in the show notes, yeah, Brian. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she, with her five year old illustrator, like after she was so engaged by the game. So we played with these giant foam D6 that I had bought at, at, at like the dollar store. And she's throwing them way up in the air and counting up the pips and, and I got a nine, daddy. What's my complication? Like, like, yeah, she was totally in love with, with, she was very engaged. I guess part of what I'm trying to impart is, is I see a lot of threads online like, Hey, you know, when's too young to game and when is old enough to game? And it, as long as you're willing to have really simple rules, like when Margo was four, the two digit number on D20, okay, you succeed. Less than that, you fail. Now this game. We're introducing the idea of complications and, and, and narrative consequences to things. And she loves it. It's extremely engaging for her to tell the story. Mia and me only has two seasons. So she and, and she's watched all, both seasons like four times. But um, we've agreed that what we're doing right now is we're telling Mia and me season three. That is awesome. That's nice. So yeah. we have our yeah. own season three that we're doing. So it sounds like she's having a lot of fun. What What would you say are kind of some of the enrichment level benefits of this, right? Uh, storytelling, storytelling, and and you know what, gamer brain, yeah, the ability to to take setbacks in stride, and to look at complications and setbacks as I don't want to say opportunities. Well, you know, you know <laughs> yeah. what, say you know it's what? business theme. I do because it's yes. business theme. You're right, Mike. <laughs> yeah, you, to t- to turn setbacks into opportunities. Like, hey, every complication is an opportunity for more storytelling, and to make the plot more interesting, and to make things you know more fun for the audience because. You don't just, no one wants to see a Mary Sue character get their way all the time. That's boring. There's no drama. Yeah. I, this actually sounds really interesting. I kind of like this. I want to play this. Yeah. <laughs> this should be our next system. World for, of Dungeons or Dungeons? For, like, uh, for, a, for a one-off. I'd be, I'd be very comfortable with that. Just like, I don't want to spoil our next episode, but just like our first game of Savage Worlds, there were some things I fundamentally didn't understand about the system. Mm-hmm. 
because it wasn't covered on that one sheet of paper. Like, the one sheet of paper did not, frankly, do an adequate job of explaining damage. Uh, it explained armor, sort of, but it didn't really explain, like, do I add my strength modifier to damage? Do I, you know, it, it just didn't do a great job with that. So I had to crack open the Dungeon World book to understand some of that as we were playing, because the, the, the spider fight, I actually tracked the hit points and I, and I used the armor. I didn't tell her I was I was doing that, but it was a great practice session for you guys, for me to really have my mind totally wrapped around the system. So just like ETU, there were system things I had to wrap my mind around to play with her. So looking into the future, we're playing this. Who's going to have a good time with it and who's going to hate it? Ooh, that's a great question, and I hate to mention too much of it because I know the guys listen. Hey, Nathan. Hey, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> um, Brian, I think you're going to struggle with it. Okay. I, I really do. Mike, uh, you typically drive... So the game is around driving, moving the plot forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. There's really no initiative order. The GM has to like call on people to drive the plot forward. So, Mike, you, you tend to do that naturally. You, you fall into that cop thing, yeah. which really helps you drive investigations forward. Uh, Brian, I think you're going to struggle with that. Okay. I think, if, if, I think you uh, can sit back, and I think you take stock... Of, and this is a great thing in Pathfinder. Mm-hmm. This is not criticism. But in Pathfinder, you sit back, you take a look at the battlefield, and I can see you putting your spellcaster where he is the most most effective, mm-hmm. and and using your spells like you know artillery and grenades, and really being very choosy about how you engage. So you you hang back and you choose how you engage, which is the right thing to do in Pathfinder with a wizard. Yeah. Um. But Brian, and I don't mean to criticize you and call you out, but since it's a show about feedback. I see you when you play, like you get into a rut. Like it took you a while to get into Ezrin. Oh, absolutely. Because you, I will freely admit that. Yeah, before that, you were a fighter. Mm-hmm. And you were always the fighter because the fighter was simple. Mm-hmm. So you were in this kind of fighter rut, and it took you a while to get into the Ezrin thing. Now that you're into the Ezrin thing, I worry that you would kind of sit back and try to take stock before you engage to do the right and thing. And I naturally do that in a lot of situations outside of gaming anyway. Yeah, Dungeon World, I mean, sure, you can do that. You can do anything. There are people listening saying, well, that could be fine. And I'm sure, it, I'm sure it could be, but I worry that you'd walk out of the session thinking, you know, I just I wasn't engaged that much. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So I would worry about that. I would, I would want to see you really step in and drive stuff more. So how easy is it for someone to take Dungeon World off the rails, right? If, if, if it's narrative-driven and it's you know, more highly collaborative story-wise amongst the players, how easy is it for someone to just, you know, pull the whole story off into left field with some some crazy spree? You know, that should be that should be both extremely easy and extremely hard. So let me tell you about that. Um, Dungeon World, the book, has some GM advice that that is hailed and railed online. Uh, it's hailed because the Dungeon World really presses, again, you play to find out what happens. So it, it admonishes the GM to... to I think that I forget what the GM guiding principles are, but one of them is like draw maps and leave blanks, like leave room for the story to grow. And, and you know, you're presenting problems and not solutions and, and all that. So it's meant for the GM to not over-prepare, and it's meant for the GM, just like the player, to play to find out what happens. Now, one thing I'll say about Dungeon World that I know I'll struggle with on the fly is finding the right monster on the fly. Mm-hmm. The monsters in the book are not listed alphabetically. They're kind of listed by domain. Ooh. So there's the, here are your forest monsters, and here are your underground monsters, and here are your de- your, your demons and devils. Hmm. And if we're, if you're just exclusively fighting demons and devils, and I have this page as bookmarked, then I guess fair enough. But if you're all over the place, yeah, I would really love to have like what they have for 4th edition D&D. You can search online and find 
what they call Monster Manual 3 on a business card. And it's just, it's a quick way to come up with stats for a monster, flavor it however you want to, so that whatever the players do, you can quickly have a monster and not have to look it up in a book. I, I would I would want to pull something together for, for Dungeon World to be able to do that. Hmm. But, yeah, Mike, you're meant, players are meant to take the story into left field. Okay. That, that is the point of the game. There's no maps. There's no minis. You're you're meant to take it off the rails. Interesting. That that could get that could get very interesting with our group. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I read stuff online too, where, where one of the complaints about Dungeon World is if you have players that that don't help you tell the story, they just take it off the map and then then look at you, the GM, to say what happens next. Then GMs burn out because Dungeon World can feel like a lot to to improvise in the moment, and it's a different way of thinking. Yeah. So you don't have the luxury of prep. You have to improvise. Would, do you think this? And it, 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 I'm certain the answer is it depends on the players. But it seems to me like this could be a game that would be a lot of fun for like an actual play podcast. Oh, it'd be amazing. Yeah, there, there's there are some actual play podcasts that do Dungeon World. I think One Shot did a few Dungeon World episodes that were that were very good. Cool. I uh, I make the proposal that if we if we feel like we get into a rut with ETU, maybe we take a one session break to do a one off in Dungeon World. Sure. Yeah, yeah. and ETU is only going to be eight games anyway. So. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm trying to do these these scoped, very well scoped campaigns. It's like one one game per sem- semester, basically. Yep. That's exactly it. Um, gaming with kids. Are we are we near a conclusion, Brian, or do you have more to ask? Um. So it sounds like Margot got it. Oh, uh, yeah, she got it. Of course, Margo's a very precocious child. Precocious. Precocious. <laughs> she's she's uh, she's a smart cookie. Yeah, she is a smart cookie. I, I can't say that because everyone thinks that about their own kid. I She's not no, my kid. I, I say it about your kid. She's a smart kid. <laughs> she, well, she's not my kid. Yeah. 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 Um, we, we, we are very thankful for what we won in the genetic lottery and for, frankly, the really great job Margo's daycare did at educating her. Yeah. Because we would not... Had we stayed at home with her and raised her ourselves, we would not. I mean, the math that she can do and the adding up the dice and all that. Yeah, we we really think the daycare that she went to helped a lot with that. Educational opportunities do make a difference. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, she loved it, man. If if you have a kid out there and you're like, oh, I don't know if I should game or not, do it. Completely do it. Find a one page system. Take a take a d six and say, look, one through three you fail. You know, four through six you succeed. Take a d twenty. Two-digit numbers, you succeed. Um, that's a 55% chance of success because 1 to 10 is 50% and 11 to 20 is 50%. So 10 to 20, 55% chance of success. Your, your, your kid's mostly going to succeed. Yeah. So roll a d20. I mean, make a, come up with a really simple system. Make it narrative. Go back and forth. And, and kids want to tell stories. They want to consume stories, but she wants to tell stories. I... Could, I would love to do that with Noah. I could probably do that. You should do that with Noah. That would be great. Simple, D20, one to two digits. I mean, I'm telling you, kids want to tell stories. They want to put stuff out there. That's why they love drawing. They love telling you about their drawings and, and the story about the drawing. And Here's what's happening in the drawing, and here's this, and here's that, and he doesn't like this, and he likes that. Kids want to tell stories. Let them. That's awesome. I love it. I agree. All right. Thank you for listening. People call them postmortems, evaluations, appraisals, reviews, retrospectives. We call them lessons learned, and we're sharing ours with you. <laughs>